Let's continue in prayer. God, thank you that you are whatever we need. Thank you for being the God in our joy. You give us joy down deep in our souls. And also, you are the God who meets us even in the depths. And not just in the depths, but every moment of our lives, you are there. God, would you catch every prayer that we pray this morning together? Would you hold all of our cries like you hold every tear that falls from our eyes? We call out for your presence this morning. We call out for your mothering love. Might our ears be attuned to hear the word that you want each of us to hear this morning. Let everything else just fade away, but give each one of us what we need in this space, oh God. We ask all of this in the name of the one who creates, redeems, and sustains. Amen. 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 Good morning. Good morning. It is so good to be in worship with you all. And as Reverend Lisa said this morning, those who are joining on Facebook Live, grace and peace to you as well this morning. As um, Crystal mentioned too, we are in the season of Lent, and we are near the end of this journey. There are six Sundays in Lent, but this morning we are at Sunday number five, the fifth Sunday in Lent. And through the season of Lent, we have been pressing into the book of Psalms as kind of our anchoring scripture that we return to every Sunday. This Sunday, the psalm that we will be um, pressing into and leaning into together is Psalm 130. And um, we are going to, I'm going to invite us all to read this together in a moment, um, but just wanted to provide a little bit of context for this psalm. Um, This psalm has been known as a song of confession, And so you'll hear in the words that we're about to speak, um, the psalmist is wrestling with some of their iniquities and wrongdoings. But in the end, the psalmist knows that forgiveness is more present than their wrongs. So it's a song of confession, but it is also a funeral psalm, similar to Psalm 23 that Reverend Lisa preached on last week. And by funeral psalm, I mean it's a psalm that is often used in uh, funeral liturgies. And it's because of this opening phrase, um, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Out of the depths of grieving 
and mourning, that um, is how this psalm is often used, crying out to God um, in the midst of our depths. But it also seems fitting um, that for this Sunday in Lent, two Sundays before Easter, so in two Sundays, we will celebrate the resurrection, and we hope you come and join us. Um, But before the resurrection, there will be a funeral. And next Sunday, um, we will remember Palm and Passion Sunday, um, which will start Holy Week. Um, Next week, we'll start Holy Week, which is our remembrance of Jesus' journey to the cross, to his death. And so I almost feel like we're given this psalm in advance um, to say we're about to go to the depths. But this, um, this psalm will be a guide for us in the spiritual depths Um, coming in this season. It'll be an invitation to cry out to God what we can lean on in the midst of those depths. And also, my hope this morning is that it would also be a blessing, an invitation for all of us, um, not just in the story of Jesus' depths, but also in the depths of our personal lives. Um, that we might have this psalm to hold on to. Um, So I'm gonna invite us to actually all read this psalm together for um, our first read through. It's a shorter psalm. Um, And then for the second reading, I'm going to invite you to actually close your eyes and just listen to the words um, as a means of um, leaning into the words in a different way. Um, But let us all read the words of this psalm together. So Psalm 130. You can follow me. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. Should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you might be revered. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word, my my soul waits for the Lord, more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with God is great power to redeem. It is God who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so now for this reading as I read um, it over us again, I invite you um, to find a posture of openness. And so that might mean for you, hands out, palms up. Um, If you feel comfortable, I invite you to open your eyes, Um, but otherwise you might find um, maybe a place in the sanctuary to rest your gaze. Just whatever you need to do so that you can um, be attentive and hear. This is Psalm 130. 
Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you. There is forgiveness with you so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in God's word of forgiveness, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who wait for the morning, more than those who wait for the morning. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. For with the Lord, there is steadfast love. There is great power to redeem. It is God who, re- who will redeem you from all of your iniquity. Amen. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I have to say it every time, even if we've already read it. <laughs> um, out of the depths, we cry to God. Last week, Reverend Lisa uh, preached on Psalm 23 and talked about God being present with us through the valley. And in my um, imagination, in my scriptural imagination, I see um, going through the valley is like this level, moving through the terrain. It's not the mountaintops, um, but we're down here. But the depths, if I asked you, what are the depths of the valley? You wouldn't point to the middle spot in the valley. You wouldn't point to the top spot in the valley. In my imagination, the depths are down here. You can't even, people in the back can't even see me because we are so low. The depths are the furthest down you can go. The depths are what we call, we might call rock bottom. And though this might be, um, it's possible that this could be a literal expression that the psalmist is saying, I am in the depths of the valley or I'm in the depths of the sea. It is more likely that this is an emotional, spiritual depths. Um, I love the definition of the depths by um, M. Jade Barclay and Anna K. Bladell, they have um, this book of blessings called Held, Blessings for the Depths, and they describe the depths in this way. The depths are the times when we have felt untethered, when we have felt terribly alone. The depths are when we felt immersed in awe or utterly overwhelmed by the violent forces that distort, forces that diminish, or forces that destroy. Sometimes, um, as, this, as they describe these forces, sometimes um, we are brought to the depths by external forces. Um, 
like policies in Uganda or shootings in Atlanta or institutions that make us feel like there's always something we need to be fighting and pushing against. The depths. Or a virus around the world. The depths for us might also be deeply personal. Things that maybe you feel like no one else understands. It's like losing someone um, that you deeply love. Or losing a job or your dream, your vocational dream. Or maybe even feeling as though you're, you've lost a sense of yourself. Have you ever been in the depths? Or maybe it's not, um, you can't remember a moment or a season, but maybe for you it's just a series or cycle of really high highs, but then really low lows. And maybe you just want to stop feeling all of it because it's just too painful. So in the United Methodist Church, I am considered young clergy um, <laughs> for being in my mid-20s. And this is something that when I first started here at the Southeast Rally Table, I felt very insecure about. Like, who's going to think I have anything to offer because I don't have years of experience? Which is true. Um, but in the depths, listen, all the women in my, in the, women in, the, can't even say it, um, all of the women I know who are in their 20s, they know the depths, okay? <laughs> Ask any woman in her 20s and she will tell you, I know the depths. And other, other women in here may be saying, oh, it, it's still happening in, in my 30s or 40s. <laughs> um, but it's, it, maybe you can't even name it as the depths, but just this feeling like when someone reaches inside of you and pulls out something that seems like the center of you and where there was once this fullness, it feels like there's just like a gap or emptiness. And this is the place. These are the depths. In this place, out of the depths, I cry to you, O oh Lord. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O oh Lord. And this word for cry out, um, it can be translated as literal crying, um, but it is more often translated as calling out or reading aloud. They use this word even in um, like worship services when someone is reading out, calling out scripture. And so I hear this and it's almost as if the psalm is saying, God, I have called you out. I have written down my prayers and I have spoken them aloud to you. And the question is, is God listening? Is God listening what is the point of prayer anymore? I'm, I'm questioning, I'm wondering, do, um, does God catch my prayers or are my prayers merely just bouncing off the wall? Are my prayers staying inside this church building or is someone actually catching them? 
but I hear in this psalm almost like the voice of an auntie or voice of a sensei or voice of an ancestor or grandma or someone who just knows, like in their gut, as the women in the women's panel were talking about, someone who knows from their lived experience saying, I know the depths, and I know who we can call upon in the depths. And that is God. Our hope is in God. Come, call upon God with me one more time with anything you have left. Um, but the psalm, because the psalms um, are really good at presenting arguments and reasons, um, they give us a few reasons on why we would trust God, why God would be um, the one we are calling upon in our distress. And there are three reasons that I see, and we'll kind of camp out on one of them. Um, but why call on God? I see in this psalm three, um, three reasons. One, because of God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness, God's steadfast love, and God's redemption. The psalm says, if you, O Lord, were keeping track of iniquities, who could stand? So this is saying, God, if you were just keeping track of all of the ways that I have turned against you, turned against others, turned against myself, if you were keeping track of all of these things, God, then we should all just leave the church because there is no hope for us. But no, there is forgiveness. One translation says that forgiveness is God's habit. Forgiveness is with God, like who God is. So in the depths, God is not holding things against you. We talked about being in the depths caused by external forces, but this verse to me is saying, even if you believe that your own actions brought you to the depths, you can stop blaming yourself. That there is grace and mercy for you, even though people may be saying, you deserve this. God has forgiveness for you, and you can forgive yourself. And redemption. Redemption, um, similar to restoration, and a whole sermon can be preached on uh, redemption, but basically, redemption is about broken things. Not only, um, like, being repaired with, like, some glue, Hot glue, I'm trying to think, of what's that called, hot glue? Um, not just like a repair that might break again someday, but this is like full restoration. Some translations say generous redemption. All broken things in our lives are invited to the table of healing. But steadfast love is the one I want to focus on. Steadfast love. The word um, where we get steadfast love is a famous word. 
Um, If you are familiar with the church or have been to seminary, pastors love to talk about this word. Um, Hebrew is hesed. And we love to talk about this word because um, it actually is very unique to who God is. And it cannot be translated. I think this is the beautiful thing about it. It cannot be translated perfectly into English. So there's always, there's this sense of mystery where we're never really going to understand what this means. Um, But some other translations that might help us um, understand it more, it has been translated as God's mercy, God's loyalty, God's consistency, faithfulness, faithful love, And in this translation, we heard steadfast love. Our definitions, I don't think, will ever do it justice. Um, But as I have sat with this, the phrase that kind of keeps coming to my head, though it's a little bit funny, um, some of us in here, do do you all know what, like, love languages are? Yeah, like, it's, I feel like, when you start getting to know someone new or you're, <laughs> you're like, what are your love languages? And um, there's five, there's like words of affirmation, quality time. When I uh, think about steadfast love, the phrase to me that was sticking out was, um, I think God's love language is commitment to us. God's love language is presence, presence with us. God's habit is not only forgiveness, but consistency in our lives. Listen, the 20-year-old women in this room will tell you, we know what inconsistency is, okay? Okay. Lisa says, yes, I know too. (laughs) But God's habit is consistency. That even in the depths, God is committed to catching our cries because God loves us. And God's love for us is not fragile. God can handle us in the depths. Sometimes when I'm, I get very anxious, um, my best friend, Pfeiffer Nicholson, who is currently on a van from the Nubin Mountains in Sudan back to uh, North Carolina, three-day journey, yes, um, sometimes when I get very anxious, he reminds me and says, Kiana, God takes a loving interest in your life. God takes a loving interest in our lives. And I love that we are a church that talks about love. Um, I think many churches need to talk more about love than some other things, but that's another, another sermon time. Um, but for me, hearing about love so often, sometimes um, I hear it and I hear it and I'm like, okay, but like, can someone remind me what that means? Like, I need a concrete example. And the beautiful thing about the Psalms is that oftentimes the Psalms come in pairs. Um, so they'll, two Psalms might have a similar verse or phrase, and um, oftentimes you can take one Psalm and it'll help you understand the previous Psalm. 
And I think uh, Psalm 130 has a pair in Psalm 131. And I think that the metaphor in 131 can be that concrete example of love that we might be looking for this morning. Psalm 131, um, after presenting Christ to God like Psalm 130, says, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like a contented child with its mother. I think this image of mother and child can give um, some new life to 130. In a Psalm 130, that's talking about cries and crying. Just as a baby cries to its mother, but then is calmed because it trusts its mother's love and presence, so too the psalmist is crying out for their mother in God. This room is big enough um, to where I know many of us have um, unique and different relationships with our mothers. They might not have given us what we need, but God is the perfect mothering, caregiving God insofar as God, for every way that our earthly mothers have failed or been imperfect, um, God doesn't fail us. Um, my mother came and visited me last weekend for my birthday. And um, some of you, I believe, got to meet her. Um, and our relationship has not been perfect. There was a time when I was younger where I was convinced that I was at some point going to leave home as a teenager and just like run away from her because we are polar opposites. Um, and turns out I didn't leave home at that time, but then I decided to move across the country, and now I'm here, not in California. Um, but my mom came to visit me, and to me, it was an expression of her showing up, um, showing up even if it meant imperfectly. And Reverend Donna said this past weekend at the panel, whenever I see love, I see God. And I see in every way um, that my mom has showed up for me, I see God's love present. And one of the nights that my mom was here, um, we went to a dinner party. And as I'm scanning through looking for Emily Yoon, because I saw her this morning. Oh, there she is. Oh, James is here too. Okay, great. This is perfect. Um, one of the nights, we went over to the Yoons um, because they were so generous to host a birthday dinner for me. And um, various times through the evening, uh, the youngest Yoon child, who's sitting right over there, um, burst into tears because something tragic happened, like the crayon broke. And like we're like, oh my God, everyone, come comfort this child. Um, but he would repeatedly kind of be like, crying, face distorted, um, and then all is well when, like, mom comes and picks him up. And um, my mom said to me, observing James, she said, Kiana, you used to be just like that. 
And I said, I'm still like that. <laughs> um, but I was talking with Becky Blanco, who was also at this dinner, who's our director of Families with Children, and um, yeah, just talking about how all of us adults, we have these big emotions still. We've just learned how to regulate ourselves. Um, and in many ways, the ways that we've learned to regulate ourselves have been good for our maturity and you know, social interactions. <laughs> um, but as I was thinking about it, I was just thinking how, yes, we, how many times do we regulate ourselves before God? Because we expect, um, we try to change our cries into little prayers when really God can handle our cries. Because even as, even though we're still all adults in this room, we're still all adults in this room, but we will always be, it sounds kind of cliche, but we will always be God's children. Yeah. And so James would cry, and Emily would scoop him up, and just like I've seen so many of you parents and caregivers in this room uh, scoop up some of the cutest children I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and why do you do that? Because you love them. And God has the commitment, the loyalty, the love, the capacity to catch us and scoop us up in the depths and every other place we find ourselves in our lives. If you've been crying out to God, maybe the only thing you need to hear this morning is that God has heard your prayers. I still have prayers that I have been praying for years. And sometimes I wonder, is God hearing these? But I believe God hears our prayers. And God has heard the prayer that you might have been praying Come, keep crying out to God with me, the psalm says. Because of God's steadfast love, God will catch us. God will carry us. God is the keeper of our cries. Amen.